There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. Wonderful to be back with you again for another fantastic week with another great guest. We've got Danielle Hay going to be talking about the dark triad today. Um, before I, I introduce you to Danielle, I want to uh, mention the show last week with John Spencer. Uh, it was quite remarkable. Uh, a number of people have commented on it. Uh, we talked about the battle for Kiev. Uh, we didn't get deeply into politics or anything like that, but we just talked about um, you know, how that worked and what we could draw upon it uh, from um, a business perspective. And when we think about cooperation and leadership and uh, communication and coordination, et cetera. Um, but I found it uh, deeply, deeply moving. And John was a, a fascinating guest. He's uh, he's the, the world's expert, leading expert on urban warfare, which is uh, something I'd never come across in, in my life before. Um, but I learned a lot from John, and uh, John's work has impacted um, right across the Ukraine. I think uh, pretty much every household has a copy of his mini um, uh, manual um, to help the urban defender. So um, do check it out, that interview, if you're interested in finding out more about that and understanding a little bit more about that, uh, that world. Um, I mentioned on last week's show Neil Lawton because Neil is currently um, penny farthing riding uh, in the Ukraine at the moment to raise uh, money for Siobhan's Trust, uh, which is um, a charity that I support. There's a, a banner on the website. Uh, David Fox Pitt MBE is our, our mutual friend, uh, and they are they are providing uh, in the region of five thousand four to five thousand meals every day, and they've done that for five hundred and fifty days now in Ukraine, helping people who are um, who are struggling over there and bringing them lots of uh, love and support. So remarkable, remarkable work. Uh, and the connection there is that Neil introduced me to Danielle, uh, which uh, which was great, which was great. Uh, and um, uh, and we're going to have a fantastic conversation today. It's fascinating. It's shadowy. It's dark. We're going to talk about the dark triad. Uh, so Danielle Haig is um, a business psychology expert, and uh, she's um, really fascinated with this shadowy world of the dark triad, which is a set of personality traits that you often find influencing uh, the world uh, in those sort of corridors of power. Uh, she's qualified in business psychology, business coaching, counselling. Uh, she's got a huge amount of letters after her name, uh, which uh, are quite astonishing. You can read them in a bio. Um, she's highly accomplished in understanding human behaviour. And her work is really demanded um, and used across many of the world's largest organisations today. She's been working with very senior politicians right to the highest echelons of uh, political power. She's worked with international sports teams uh, and she brings just a huge area of expertise and research in the leadership personalities and mental resilience and psychometrics uh, and has worked with some of the world's leading business psychologists. And today we're going to talk about this subject, this shadowy subject of the dark triad. Uh, and I think some of these characteristics you might recognize 
you might recognize some of them in yourself perhaps um but you might um also recognize them in in places where you've been where you've worked you might um uh, perceive them in in personalities and leaders um around the globe but the uh, the scary thing i think is when all three uh, coincide and come together so i'd love to say a big welcome to danielle haig hello thank you so much for having me hello and i believe you're you're british um but you're not in the uk at the moment you're in egypt yes i'm in egypt doing some work over here with some clients and uh and uh yeah just thought that i would stay on for a, a nice long weekend go and see the yeah. uh all the sites and everything but yes we i travel quite a lot with work um as you said all of those wonderful clients that i have so yeah all over the place next week france and then italy the week after so lots and lots of uh travel with uh with leadership fantastic uh, well, it's um it's good good to hear but before we go into all of that you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about your your early life and and you know what really inspired you to uh, focus on this world of psychology chris you sound, sound like my my therapist <laughs> <laughs> that's all about my early life you know it's it's really interesting i feel like um well I, I i think about this question quite often because i have dedicated a huge amount of my life to understanding the way well human behavior and why we do what we do and how we do it and i think that i am probably the same as most people who um work in my area and they've been through some kind of emotional situation in their life, or they've been through some kind of difficult times. Um, so I uh, grew up in a very loving family, but I went to a very, very strict school. It was based upon Victorian education values, and it was extraordinarily strict. Um, and it kind of, uh, I don't want to say beat, it wasn't physical beating but they were the teachers were bullies they were mean it was um you know extraordinarily regimented we weren't really allowed to express ourselves in any way and obviously when you're going through these formative years it has a huge impact on you and um there was a lot of bullying with the the children as well and that had a huge impact on me and i think um actually my career is quite unusual in that i i actually read classical history which is why i'm so happy to be here in egypt but um i then studied uh, clinical psychology then psychotherapy, then business psychology, then coaching, and now do my PhD. But um, so uh, the, the the psychotherapy part of my of my training and the, and it's a huge part of my interest, and I use it in all of my work on a daily basis. I think that was very much about me understanding me, understanding why I think the way I do. You know how my resilience was impacted by my early childhood. Uh, thinking about um, all of those things and you have to kind of learn about yourself in order to be able to help other people. So that for me was a big part. But the business psychology side, I think, was because I've just worked in some really bad organizations and I experienced some really um, uh, not, well, just not very good leadership. And I thought, this is insane. We need to have better workplaces. You know, there's so much potential that must be lost around the globe because leaders aren't leading effectively and um and so that's why i went back and 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 studied business psychology so lots of different things that happened in my life i think have led to this point um and and why i studied what i studied it's interesting isn't it when you you look back and and like you i've spent a lot of time um thinking about those connections and thinking about who why what you know who, 
why I am who I am and why I do it. And I can relate that back to childhood. In fact, I was working with my my coach stroke psychologist this morning. So we'll, and if I think if you coach, you should have have um, support yourself. And a hundred percent. There was new stuff coming up for me when I was two, two or three or four, which um, you know impacted some yeah. of the ways, some of the nuances and the fine detail of why I am. Yeah, absolutely. Who I am today. Absolutely, absolutely. It can be so tough to do that, but what it's it's really interesting that you say that, Chris, because I actually um, through like the coaching, the psychology, the therapy that that I, it's almost like a triad in it in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a, a light triad of, uh, of of approach to human behavior, but it, it's, it's actually through working with the individual leaders that has the most powerful impact. Because when you work with someone and you can actually say, you know, let's go back to wherever, and you can safely take an individual leader back to something, work through some of the knots, and then bring it bring them back forward, having resolved some issues, and that can make such a huge difference on their leadership or, or their decision making or whatever it might be. Um, so it, it is really interesting how not so many people do it for um, see therapy or coaching or whatever is for career development. And they don't tie in the individual and their own human elements with their leadership. And yet they're intrinsically linked. Um, and it's and it's, it can be such a powerful career development to actually work on yourself and, and do that reflection work. Yeah, yeah, and I think you, you were just talking there about working with leaders. You know, the, you might be working one person, but those people have a ripple effect oh, over yes. a huge amount of people, don't they? Yep, massive, absolutely massive. Uh, and it it never ceases to amaze me um, when I go in and perhaps I'm doing a group or a team leadership development program or or training, and I we talk about that ripple effect exactly that. But I say, you know, you. Think about when you say X, Y, Z, or this happens, and then that how that you know ripples through the team, and then not just to the team, but to individuals and their home lives, and all sorts of things have an impact from from leadership behaviors and decisions. And people often don't take the time to realize that or think about it. Um, and and that, that's just a powerful realization, I think, for many people in leadership positions, which is, you know, what you say and do is so far beyond the the logistics of 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 a job it's impacting people in so many ways um so yeah it it, it is always interesting uh, kind of seeing people's eyes go through that kind of realization of oh my god i didn't realize that's how much of an impact that i actually had on on other people and it's an important one to realize for sure yeah. and how, how do you have you um developed your career because you you know, you you really do. I mean, we, we can't talk names here, but you <laughs> you work with some pretty you know pretty well known people around the globe, um, and you work with sporting teams as well as politics, yeah. etc. But how have you? Do you think you've managed to elevate your career? Because I'm you know, looking at you, you're very youthful. You've just got married, um, which is exciting. Um, you know, I can see you. You've got a lot lot of years to 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 do this work, but it appears that you have. Uh, Quite, you know, probably quite quickly established yourself at a, at a really real significant niche. Yeah, it's um. Well, I, I mean, I don't know whether it feels like it's been quick. <laughs> it feels <laughs> like it's it's been my whole life. I feel like I've been mm. leading up to this point, um, which I suppose I have in some ways. But um, how did it come about? I'm not really sure. I think I'm really passionate about what I do. I really care. Um, I have 
really strong ideals about why I'm doing what I'm doing. I have a purpose behind my work. Um, I never stop learning. I'm always thinking about people, about myself. Um, I think the fact that I have such a broad educational background, um, I think that helps, you know, with the psychology, clinical psychology, business, therapy, um, coaching. I think that that really does help. But I would say probably one of the things that most people don't think about is well, I grew up with really entrepreneurial parents. So my parents were self-made. They built a huge publishing empire and, and they came from nothing and they built it all up themselves. At one point, I think they had the world's largest sports magazine um, for, for quite some years, actually, and many other businesses. And they really and truly are entrepreneurial before entrepreneurial was, a you know, uh, mm. the, the key keyword or, or even particularly, you know, part of our vernacular. Um and I think the fact that I grew up with business owning parents really helps because I see the pragmatic side of business as well. I don't just I don't try and limit leaders and limit organizations through psychology. I actually try and I uh, help people really reach their true potential. I care about my clients' businesses as if they are my own. And I think that makes such a difference. You know, it's not about money spending. It's not about um, over delivering. If anything, I really try and cut back. I, you know, I, I never oversell. The way that I see my businesses, I'm trying to make myself redundant. Every time I speak to a coaching client, every time I work with a business, I don't want them to need me after I've worked with them. I want them to be successful. Um, and I always go the extra mile. Always go the extra mile. Um, and I think it's really important. I'm, I'm very serious about customer service which people probably don't think as a consultant or as a business psychologist, you don't think about customer service, but it's really important to me. Um, and I use psychology in the way I deliver my work as well. So, you know, I understand that people want to know from the very beginning, I talk them through things, I'm always available and so on and so forth. So um, I, I suppose I, I, it's, well, I suppose it's very, I'm very English, so I, it's really difficult for me to say, but I suppose I might be good at what I do. Yeah. <laughs> of course you're good at what so you that, do. That, that you, helps. you wouldn't be here if you weren't were talking to me, if you, were, you, weren't, you weren't good at what you do. I know, but you know we can't say those kind of things, Chris, and I'm blushing madly as I'm thinking about it. But uh, yeah, I suppose that helps too. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so let's let's um, let's sort of move on from that. What, what I'm, yeah. I'm taking from that is that, you know, this is more than work. This is very purposeful for you. Uh, and uh, it's part of the life's journey, but it's very purposeful. You care about people. You want to make a difference. You want to contribute to a better world, which is what this show is about. Um, and, uh, you know, interestingly, what you said about helping others realize the potential, that's in my personal life purpose. Um, so, it, we're, we're, you know, it's great talking with Aligned. you. Yeah. The alignment. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the this dark triad. Oh yeah. Now, we often seem we often seem in the world to attract or, or um, end up in very senior leadership people uh, positions, people that can be seen as being, you know, sometimes quite self serving. Um, there's you know quite potentially quite manipulative, and I'm just wondering, you know. Do, do, is is it that we are that that those individuals have the ca characteristics that take them to that place, or is it the population um, 
want leaders like that because they trust them. They feel confidence in them. I'm, I'm not saying trust is the right word, but I'm just intrigued, you know, to understand this. So why is it that sometimes quite difficult personalities make it through to to significant leadership positions? I think it's a really good question. And it, it's I think it's quite complex, uh, as most things to do with humans generally are. But I, okay, let me ask you a question. Yeah. You want people to reach their true potential. If you could do that on a mass scale, would you do it? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that that is a political role to help people, your country, reach their potential? Is it is it political? Well, for, for me, it would be... Well, is it for, but... for a politician, should a politician want their people to reach their full potential, a country to well, reach they, their they should, I completely agree they should. Yeah. Yeah. So I could say to you then, Chris, why don't you become a politician? Why don't you try and get to the point where you can work with an entire nation to enable them to reach their true potential? What would be holding you back from doing that? That's a great that's a great question. That's a great question because actually what I'm thinking is would I enjoy the journey with the kind of uh, characters that I would have to engage with? Yeah. And also it, it's a really tough job. It's extraordinarily mm. tough. And I think that unless you have a particular purpose that's attached to that kind of job where you you're suddenly sitting on a you know you're on a world stage and you're uh, you know negotiating not just a deal for you and your business or for your organization but for an entire nation um it's i think it's more about the power and what why certain people are attracted to power and i think that the power is their purpose rather than necessarily wanting to help people so yeah. for example so i work with a lot of politicians it's it and I also have strong beliefs. I, I have strong beliefs about people's education. I care about people's well-being. And I would love to do a million different things to help other people um, to reach their potential in, in those particular ways. And, and I'd love to. And loads of people have said to me, Danny, you should get involved in politics. And my response is that I did consider it once upon a time. Um, and then I thought to myself, I wouldn't want all of the things that come along with being a politician these days like I wouldn't want to be in the press and you know have my whole life dragged up my family being impacted all of those things so I think to myself well I'm going to do things on a really small scale that I can do on an individual impactful way so charity work that I do you know um, pro bono work and all of these different things that I do and I think that's how I can fulfill that potential that purpose for me Whereas if I had the persuasion of, God, I really just want power, I would commit all of my energy that I commit to building my business and to learning and to all the people, you know, the things that I do do, I would commit that energy to being a politician. Because I don't think that people who end up being prime ministers, that I don't think their MO is really about the individual person within their nation i think it's to do with them you know there's no such thing as an altruistic act and for politicians it's about power so no matter what your political persuasion is no matter where you are in the world the commonality with politicians is the fact that they want power and that is self-serving it's a self-serving um uh, desire 
Yeah, interesting. I always, always remember the comedian Billy Connolly saying, um, in, if if uh, if you sort of have um, anyone who has a desire to be a politician should automatically be banned from being a yeah, politician. Exactly, exactly that, <laughs> 100%. But also at the same time, you do think to yourself, okay, so what are the, the commonalities of polit- like very senior politicians or prime ministers or world leaders or whoever we're talking about? What are the commonalities with those personalities? Well, the fact that they've climbed the slippery and somewhat murky stairs to get to that senior position has taken a lot of um, uh, skills that are unique and necessary for a politician or someone in a senior position. So manipulative for sure. You know, they can uh, what's what's selling yourself to the world? Isn't it a form of manipulation? Isn't it an ability to put on a smile even though you don't necessarily want to put on a smile you can say the things that people want to hear it's only the same as advertising or marketing you're just a supreme um uh, kind of individual who can market yourself manipulate yourself in different situations you also know who's back to scratch you're prepared to think ahead you've got long-term strategic calculation um, you're prepared to tread on people to get to where you want to be. Um, so you're charming, potentially superficially charming. Um, but you're also going to be very resilient. If you think about politicians, and there are, sometimes when I hear the things that are said about politicians in the press, and I think I would crumble if I heard people saying yeah. those things about me. Yep. And yet they get back up every single day and put on the show and they get back up and they carry on doing what they're doing. It's almost like they're made of Teflon. So most people would be incapable of managing that level of complete self, like attack, attacks on you, attacks on your family, attacks on your childhood, attacks on all sorts of things that have gone in, in your life. And I could not name a single person that I know that didn't do something ridiculous when they were a teenager. You know, that's the whole point of being a teenager. (laughs) And yet that is now dragged up and that will be used against you. Your children are going to have a bad time. You know, there aren't that many people in the world who have that level of doggedness, um, grittiness, determination, resilience, and those skills to know whose backs to scratch, when to do this, when to pull in that favor, when to go above and beyond for someone else. And, you know, keep on grinding and grinding and grinding to get to those positions of power. So it's interesting because not all dark triads are politicians. Not all politicians are dark triads, but they all have a unique set of skills and a desire for power. Thank you. That's really helpful. So, so let's talk about the dark triad then. Let's let's. Oh, yeah. Because people may be thinking at the moment, what is it? So yes. what is it? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> so the dark triad is um, it's a personality that's made up of three individual but overlapping traits. And those individual traits are narcissism, Machiavellianism and psychopathy. Um, so they're all individual traits and um, not that many people in the world have them. You know, it, we're in like the 0.1 to 1% pers- um, of the population will have these personality traits. So not a huge number of people have them, but I do have ideas about narcissism. But, but I don't know whether that's for today's conversation, about social media and, and all of those kind of things. But um, uh, the dark triads, basically, the overlapping character traits are 
um, callousness, um, uh, incredibly manipulative, and they're brilliant liars. Mm. Um, and, and they will do everything for their own desires to be fulfilled. Um, but they're, they're very interesting and they can be glamorized. Um, they, it used to be well known as the James Bond personality. So, you know, I mean, think about it. The man kills for a living. He's mm. um, adaptive. He's a liar. He's manipulative. He's resilient. He, he has no real close family or friends, multiple sexual partners, which is actually a really big part of this personality as well. Um, very dapper, always got the best gadgets and gizmos, looks the part, acts the part, um, intelligent, um, charming, uh, all of those things. So uh, loads of, you know, it's quite, I can see why loads of men and, and people think, yeah, brilliant. Um, I, I'm totally okay with this dark triad, or maybe I wish that I was the dark triad, because, you know, it comes across as the ultimate James Bond, uh, you know, this character that so many people aspire to be or admire or would love to date, perhaps. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's that's the dark triad is somebody who um, has a mixture of those three personality traits. So that's quite interesting. We've just got three minutes to commercial break. So what we're, we're talking about here is a character who could potentially in some of their behaviours be quite repellent. However, um in general, people are attracted to them? Oh, yes. People are very attracted to them because they're so charismatic. They're chameleon-like. You know, they can really adapt to the situation that they're in um, and they can adapt to the people that they're around. They're incredibly good liars. So, um, and they feel feel no fear. So it, it it's really complex because when you're looking at the three different traits, you can get a mixture of the different personalities. So you could be really high scoring on Machiavellianism, but low on psychopathy and middling with narcissism. Or you could be huge on the narcissism, low on the psychopathy. So it's like making a cake and you've got different ingredients and the different mm. ingredients will lead to a different outcome. Um, the the Machiavellian, if you're high on Machiavellianism, so that's the desire for power, long-term goals, very resilient, um, uh, again, brilliant liars, brilliant manipulators. Um, and it's comes from the book uh, The Prince written yeah. by Nikolai Machiavelli one of the world's best-selling books still if you're interested in learning about it give it a read and of course the book was written for politicians and, and royal and, and princes um, and giving them tips on how to manipulate masses of people so you can see why if you were really high on Machiavellianism then you're probably going to be more um, enamored by power and manipulation and that really really is their mo is is for that but psychopathy is interesting in that it's one of the major um uh kind of features of, of of psychopathy is a lack of fear so if you think that they are incredible liars imagine what you could do or what you might lie about in order to get what you wanted if you weren't fearful of the repercussions of that lie yeah. and what might you lie about what might she do so um that's a very powerful point i think when it comes to to the personality is that lack of fear um callousness mixed with a lack of fear mixed with a lack of empathy um so not really caring about the people that are around you now what they are very good at doing is pretending that they care remember these are chameleon like people they can act they can control other people so they understand them but they just don't feel anything for them. 
Yes. So of course it's easy to lie to people when you don't care. If you don't, if you can't feel that you might be hurting someone by the words that you're using, then nothing's really going to stop you unless it gets in the way of you achieving your goal. Definitely, yeah. So that's uh, that's been um, fan- you know fantastic to start to appreciate that, and I love the you know the, the emphasis of these these three aspects uh, and how we might people might be on a different scale of each of them. You get this uh, exactly. kind of blend. Um, but when we come after, after the break, we should talk a little bit more about them, a bit more about narcissism and understand that and Machiavellianism, yes. psychopathy, because we might this may also help us with characters. Not we're not going to come across in, in our, probably in our lives too many people um, directly, maybe who have all of those characteristics. But we're going to come across people regularly who have some of those characteristics, and you know, we some of us have to live with them or um, have to work Absolutely. with them. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Let's, let's understand that a bit better after the break. And then let's have a think about how do we behave around these people? How do we uh, appropriately adapt to them? Um, I'm mm. also mindful of influencers that are influencing our kids who share some of these characteristics. And um, so it's quite an important uh, conversation at, at a challenging time in the world right now. Um, so Absolutely. we're back again in just a couple of minutes. Uh, do join us after the break. the boardroom to you voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential chris cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the achiever program one-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free no obligation consultation to see how chris and his team can help you have you become a member yet sign up now to become a member of voice america it's always free and easy Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Are you a business owner, 1099 contractor, part-time employee, or volunteer who needs group health coverage you can actually afford? Do you know a nonprofit who would benefit from unlimited zero-cost funding? How about cost reduction, school safety, mental health wellness, and more? All these and more are fair game on finding certainty. If you want more certainty in your own life, you are not alone. Join us each Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Find your own brand of certainty and realize your personal American dream with Finding Certainty, hosted by Patrick Lang. Let's unwrap the certainty experience together. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk now back to chris cooper 
This is Chris Cooper, I'm with Danielle Haig, and we're talking about a subject which in 12 years of this show is probably one of the, the more darky, darker, shadowy subjects we've ever spoken <laughs> about uh, on the show, um, but it's an absolutely fascinating one. Um, Danny, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about how we recognise some of these characteristics in people, and I think, and how do we adapt ourselves we, we may be able to we can maybe talk a little bit how whether we can change these people or whether we need to change ourselves to uh, function effectively around them so let's talk about about narcissism uh, and tell us a little bit more about narcissism and um and how you might recognize that in somebody well narcissism is interesting i personally think it's on the rise um it's an interesting trait in that most people think, oh, they're a narcissist, they're in love with themselves. That's generally what most people would characterize a, a narcissist as. But interestingly, it's actually the opposite of that. A narcissist doesn't like themselves. They don't love themselves. They don't like themselves at all, actually. And so the whole point of a narcissist is that they've created a facade personality. Um, and not just a facade personality, but a facade um, in the way that they dress, the way that they represent themselves, maybe the way they speak, what they, how they talk about themselves. Um, and it's because they, it's almost like they're trying to create someone that they wish they were rather than someone that they actually are. Um, and so it can come from all sorts of reasons. Of course, we can be predisposed. We, um, you know, we might have genetic predispositions towards narcissism, but that doesn't mean that we will be narcissistic. Um, but by a narcissist basically i always imagine uh, imagine you as a human and then you've got a giant christmas bauble all around you and that's what you're representing to the world this beautiful shiny perfect um item that everybody loves but actually it's very fragile and if you tap or drop that bauble it will shatter everywhere now to me that is exactly like a narcissist a narcissist puts on a show they pretend to be someone that they're not. And in order to pretend to be someone that they're not, that they have to lie. They have to, you know, it is a lie. You are lying about who you are as a person and you might exaggerate things and exaggerate the truth, for example, or exaggerate your past or your whatever it might be. Um, and everyone else around you has to believe in this bauble of your personality. Um, and if they don't, the narcissist gets very angry. They tend to be very aggressive. If questioned um, or doubted about who they are or what they might be presenting, um, and they also, uh, I mean, if you imagine you're essentially acting your whole day. So imagine if you're at work mm. and you're pretending you're somebody else for eight, nine, ten hours, or however long you're at work, um, and then you come home, it's exhausting. Um, and very few people will know the real you because you can't show anyone the real you. So you can't form any brilliant friendships or true connections with someone because you can't be authentic and you can't be vulnerable with others, which is really what relationships are formed on, is like being vulnerable and someone else saying, I see your vulnerability and I accept that and let me show you my vulnerability. And then you form a bond and that's generally how friendships arise. Um, and a narcissist can't do that. They have to constantly be um showing this persona and obviously with the rise of social media it's blown out of the water it's also incredibly expensive to be a narcissist um because you have to always look the best and be the part and you know represent this 
shiny bauble existence of, yeah. of, of a life um so it's it's an interesting personality and not often what people think people think that they're arrogant and they're egotistical but really they're deeply insecure yeah and, and I've, you know, I've seen that where where suddenly they can get very angry very quickly oh yes like you said that shatter the shattering of the bauble um I've yeah witnessed... very defensive you know it's like yeah. don't doubt this bauble because it's it's their life oh, nice. force oh, yeah. they're clinging on to and they also tend to have um uh they might drink a lot use substance abuse gambling problems sex addiction things like that because they can't deal with who they actually are and you know putting on an act that long it's exhausting but it's emotionally and mentally draining and it's also suggests that you haven't dealt with a real issue that's going on with you um so narcissism to me i would describe as the it's the the bauble effect uh with, with the narcissist i just made that up but it sounds quite good yeah, i think i'm going to use it more <laughs> <laughs> and would you describe it as a, a personality disorder uh yeah absolutely it is it is for sure and as i said you can be genetically predisposed but uh, or but it doesn't mean that you are going to be that way um so you you know you you can also develop it, it it's a, it's developed over time normally to do with um you know something might have happened you might have been bullied or uh, something's happened where you just stop you know you don't have any self confidence or believe in yourself and and start to detest yourself actually and want to be somebody else how, how do you behave around someone like that if you find yourself, I don't know, if you find yourself living with someone like that, working with someone like that, how do you, how do you both help support them um, when they may, they may not feel they need any support, but uh, how do you deal with yourself such that actually you're not suffering the consequences? into it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they're exhausting to be around, that's for sure. You know, they have this inflated sense of self-importance that's projected onto everybody else. They require excessive admiration. Um, they lack empathy towards others. Their entire focus is on themselves and themselves alone. Um, so they're, they're often pursuing selfish, ego-driven goals um, and at the expense of other people. So in the workplace or in friendships or relationships, or whatever it might be, um, it can be really tough. So one thing that I always say to people is avoid the flattery trap and set boundaries because it's actually really tempting to give in to what they need because if you give them the flattery, then it kind of this ostentatious over-the-top draining personality kind of calms down a bit you know it's like you've reassured that you see only the bauble you're saying i see the bauble and it's brilliant you're not saying oh what's inside of there that doesn't quite look right who are you really that would make them angry so we we can easily fall into the trap of being overly uh, flattering of these personalities because it just you know it calms down this energy sucking behavior so it can be tempting to do that so you have to recognize when you're being pulled into this need for admiration and try not to feed it too excessively and also setting really clear boundaries so they tend to overstep boundaries or demand more of your time or demand more of your energy than is appropriate so you have to politely and firmly put 
and set your limits on the interaction. Because if they find a, a weak link or a chink or someone, you know, a chink in your chain and you're like, oh, okay, I will help out with this and I, I'll yeah. take on that burden for you, whatever it might be, they will come back for more. You know, they're like energy vampires. They will take as much as they can get. So if you put your boundaries up and say, that's not for me, they'll lose interest and yeah. stop trying to pursue, um, which is really important. I think also talking to other people about it. You know, you can get really, really sucked into someone else's con, basically. You know, their personality con, um, which is really what narcissism is. And you can get sucked into it. And unless you talk to other people, you might not see the wood for the trees. So I think it's really good to make sure that you you do talk to other people um, and avoid direct confrontation with a narcissist directly because, as I said, they are very sensitive to criticism. Um, and when you need to address something with them, you have to approach with very constructive feedback. It's like managing, you know, you've got to put your, your kid gloves on and you've got to manage this bauble for the, the delicate thing that it is like because they are supremely delicate um so you don't want to develop any kind of conflict so focus on what you're trying to do don't make it personal and it's got to be delivered with positive constructive feedback rather than you know a negative attack on on someone and always make sure you prioritize your well-being um you know they can really take a toll on your mental and emotional health so um definitely you know, think about stress reduction techniques and mindfulness, maybe meditation, that kind of thing. Keep you grounded. Um, but, yeah, navigating these personalities is, you know, it's tough. They can be extremely, extremely, um, uh, well, they have a gravitational pull. Mm. So they, they, you can get sucked into them. So I've interviewed so many of these characters. So I built a psychometrics and measured the dark triad, which is very hard because how do you measure with a self-report on someone who is a brilliant liar, someone who's incredibly manipulative, and if they're intelligent mixed in with that, how on earth do you measure that personality? And we, we did come up with um, some some clever ways of, of, of navigating that. But, I mean, I've met so many of these people through research, interviewing my job, um, working with these complex but brilliant characters. Um, and I... I, I used to get sucked in too now i know how to manage the these people and and that's why i work with with so many and why i get called in to work with these people but um they are um you know magnetic and you want to be around them they make you feel brilliant when they give you your attention but they will remove that attention and they'll walk all over you as soon as you're surplus to requirements and that is what um is is so painful about these personalities and these characters yes i remember working with a character like that and uh and it was kind of yeah when with people when things didn't work out he was amazing and charismatic and bright and brilliant but then it was you know off with the head when uh he wasn't happy and eventually i think it probably took 10 years before my head came off oh wow <laughs> and, and was it painful well, it was very painful. Yeah, it probably took me probably took me ten years to get over it. Actually. Oh wow! You know, in See, terms of this is learning. what they do. The destruction is there. Those are people say, and I'm really interesting. Like as I said earlier, I, I, I'm really interested. I, I find it really interesting that when you're working with these people, um, one is to kind of treat it with. Um, I, I call it taking your thoughts to court. So as soon as I've kind of 
worked out someone's character that I'm working with, maybe they're tricky, I kind of take a step back from from the interaction with them. So it's all, it, we call it diffusion in, in therapy, where you kind of take a step away, not diffusion, but diffusion. Um, and you take a step behind and you kind of analyze what's going on. Yep. And it stops you from being kind of manipulated and absorbed in these characters. You know, as I said, they're magnetic. It's like being a, a planet that's pulled into someone else's orbit and you just end up living your life around their orbit, trying to make sure they don't get angry, making sure that they're happy, you making sure mm. that you still get attention from them, whatever it mm. might be. So your life ends up being around their life. And you have to make sure that you take this step aside where, I mean, you're physically there, but you're kind of taking a step back and it's almost like you're overlooking something with a bird's eye view and it gives you the ability to not get sucked in so much. You know, you can actually think about yourself, what's best for me in this situation, not what's best for them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I, it's, I'm so sad and, and that you've experienced that and it had such a, a long lasting impact on you. Um, but it's also interesting that you can share with the audience just how dramatic an impact that they can have. Um, I mean, they destroy organizations. As soon as something doesn't go their way, they will derail a business and just destroy it. And they have done many, many times. Think about various financial institutions, large organizations have been completely and purposefully destroyed because they either felt like they'd been found out, they lost power they lost control of people which tends to happen over mm. time think about how politicians always tend to move on unless they're in a dictatorship so um you know but people eventually see through get bored with these personalities and that doesn't please them and they start to do very bad things so they can impact hundreds thousands of people's lives if they um if they you know feel upset or that they're questioned or whatever it might be so yeah, it's 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 really interesting. Yeah, I think yeah, I think about it's a bit. Yeah, it's, it's got quite deep this conversation for me. I think I think maybe ten years is an exaggeration actually thinking about it, but uh, it took a lot of learning about myself mm. to uh, to be able to put this either to process it and put it in context. Yes. And actually, and I probably almost got ended up getting my let's say I slightly got um, let's say got my own uh, I I. I got the situation to a position where I was in power with somebody like that. Uh, and it was very hard, very hard. It was became, uh, it became quite a, a very hard situation, but I had to, yeah. I had to, to get my extra, you know, extricate myself out of it in a very professional way. Um, but let's just talk about, um, we, we talked a bit about Machiavellianism. I'm just mindful of the yes. time now. Let's, oh, talk yeah. about, let's talk about psychopathy. Uh, because yeah. Oh, okay. We've really talked so about psychopathy, We're not talking about subclinical psychopathy. So not like axe-wielding murderers or anything like that. We're talking about, um, uh, sorry, we're not talking about clinical psychopathy. We're yeah. talking about subclinical. Sorry, wrong way around. We're talking <laughs> about subclinical. So people who have, um, uh, you know, they're not going to, uh, you know, kill you at work or whatever it might be. They have psychopathic tendencies. So, as I said, the, the main things to do is psychopathy, and there's a huge checklist. There's a 20-item 20, um, 20 checklist. It's called the, the hair checklist, and you find it in the DSM-5, which is like a psychologist and psychiatrist Bible, um, and you go through and and, um, and you see what the, the characteristics are of, of each personality. 
um, trait or, or, or disorder. And um, basically, a, a, the psychopath, the key personality traits is a lack of fear. So don't fear. So don't feel fair, failure. Imagine what you would do in your life if you never felt a fear of failure. You never were scared about what people might think of you. You weren't scared of the repercussions. Um, so no fear no empathy they really don't care much for other people um at all they will use people to get where they want they are extraordinarily good liars um and sometimes will lie for the sake of it not necessarily for any particular means um uh, 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 that's what um how we would uh, things that we would look at with a psychopath many sexual ca- um pa- uh, partners um tend to have lots of children um if they are I mean, a, a huge percentage of prisoners are psychopaths and, or have psychopathic tendencies. Um, so that's the kind of thing that we're looking at. Impulsive. They have very poor impulse control. Mm. So it's interesting when you think about a subclinical psychopath who doesn't feel fear. They don't worry about other people. They like to take risks. Um, they find it hard to control their impulses. And perhaps they are intelligence perhaps they're slightly narcissistic so they like the idea of having a perfect kind of outward looking persona existence house car kids private school all the things then they're slightly they've got strategic calculation so you might find these personalities in banking finance that kind of thing they're very much drawn to financial industry and um, so I do work with a lot of financial uh, organizations in various guises um, in fact pretty much every kind of capacity you could possibly imagine um, you will find a huge um, dark triad um, uh, of kind of population within those those industries mm. as well so very fascinating I'm also, uh, also thinking some, some very very successful entrepreneurs show those characteristics too the, the no fear absolutely a hundred percent. I think that, um, in fact, I work with many successful entrepreneurs who've gone from startup to, you know, a huge organization running huge businesses that are very successful. And it makes perfect sense. Um, because if you think about truly successful entrepreneurs who, you know, make businesses worth, I don't know, a billion pounds or the ultimate unicorn or whatever it might be, what do you need to do in order to do that? You need long term strategic effect long-term strategic calculation, so very Machiavelli. You need to be able to scratch the right backs, find investors, sell to investors. Not only sell an idea, but you're selling yourself. You need to be manipulative. You need to be charismatic. You need to be charming. You need to get people on board to pursue and follow your goals and your dreams and be invested in it like you are. So magnetic, brilliant, most likely a good liar. Um, people, I don't think people realize how much people lie in business. I mean, it's it's mm. like an everyday occurrence. I think people perhaps romanticize what businesses are really like. But I mean, huge amounts of lying and or maybe twisting of the truth and not fearful, you know, not fearful of messing up and trying again or what people might think of you um uh, for for whatever reason so absolutely there there are huge correlations with entrepreneurial successful entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurs and dark triads as well we just got um a couple of minutes before i need to need to 
end this really um if you, is there any hope if you're kind and caring and uh heartfelt and uh, to 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 succeed today if you're kind and heartfelt, it's succeeding you know, at what? If, if, what if, if, if you don't try it or just like if you don't possess these characteristics, you know. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. Remember that these personalities are, you know, a tiny fraction of the population, and not all successful people are dark triads, and not all dark triads are, pop, uh, are successful. You know, you have to have, uh, you know, a dark triad's personality isn't just a dark triad. They have other personality traits as well that can influence how successful they are. I mean, they might just not be motivated at all, or they could be criminally minded, or they might have zero desire to do anything. They might have grown up in a particular environment that's not seen any of these personality traits really manifest. Um, you know, just because you have a persuasion towards a certain personality um, type or, or element does not mean that that's who you are as a person. Um, you know, you, you can uh, overcome uh, certain personality uh, traits based upon your environment and, and also your education and all sorts of different things. So absolutely, there are so many brilliantly successful people on the planet that I know who are not dark triads, who I work with all the time. Um, and, it's it, you know, the world is made up of an incredible mixture of, of people. And if you want to achieve something and you want to work hard and you're prepared to put the time in and the effort and make those sacrifices and be committed and be consistent, then you can achieve what you want to achieve. I strongly believe that. Danny, I'm, I'm glad you glad you um, confirmed that for us. And that's, I think that's a great final message actually. So it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. It's been a, a fascinating conversation. Certainly got me, me thinking. Um, really grateful that you've joined us today. And if you want to find out more about um, Danielle Haig, um, go to daniellehaig.com. That's two N's, um, D-A-N-N-I-E-L-L-E, Haig. Good spot. It's only 30 seconds, so I'm going to have to go. But next week's show, we have Peter Roper. Peter's an old friend of mine. He's going to talk to us about his latest book. He's written many, The Reputation Gap. We're going to talk about reputation next week. Once again, uh, Danny, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you Thanks so much. much for having me. It's been so much fun. Brilliant. Uh, so everybody, take take this, take away um, maybe two or three points from this uh, and go away and have a reflect over the week. And uh, do join us again next week. And any questions or comments, love to hear from them at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Take care all. Thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.